Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. The Limitless podcast was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community that show that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marsley. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marsley. Thanks for coming back again this week. We are still talking about friendship, but today we're talking about friendship when you are in high school. So um, if you haven't listened to the last two episodes, we've been chatting about friendship when one person is blind and the other friend is not. Uh, And now we're going to talk to some younger folks about what it's like for them in school. So I'm excited to welcome Nolan, Jagod, and Lena. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks for being here. So why don't we start by having you each introduce yourselves, uh, remind us your level of vision, if you want to share what grade you're in and maybe what city you live in, if you want. Yeah, sure. Hello, everyone. I'm Jugad. I'm 16 and I'm from Vancouver. I am in grade 11 and my vision condition is RP, retinitis pigmentosa which means that throughout my life, I've lost my vision and now I am basically blind. Hello, I'm Nolan. I'm from Pooskoopy, BC, and my eye condition is called LCA, Lieber's Congenital Amaurosis. Um, I have a bit of light perception and I've been blind since birth. I'm 16, I'm in grade 11. So hi, everyone. I'm Lena. I am 15, almost 16 in a few days. Um, I am totally blind. And the the diagnosis was a brain tumor uh, when I was two and a half. And I'm in grade 10. Great. Okay. So my first question to all of you is, and I'm assuming I know the answer. uh, (laughs) Are you the only person with a visual impairment in your school? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, that was an easy one. We're just getting warmed up. <laughs> so how is that for you, being the only visually impaired person in your school? It depends. Sometimes it's very hard because at times it's harder for other people to understand me and like different things that I might need. Mm-hmm. And other times it can be kind of interesting to educate people about blindness because I've come across quite a few different people in my school who are actually very willing to learn and ask very smart, like intellectual questions about it. For me, um, like I'm the only blind person in my school and there's 1800 kids. It can be quite scary at times, especially like during class intermission. So when class is done, um, it can be very scary to have to walk the hallways when it's crowded because you're trying to like navigate your way. But other times when it's nice and calm and peaceful, I've uh, met some really amazing people in my school who have, um, who have reached out and actually been on a couple of trips with me to the dark table. And they've asked, they have, um, they've asked them like really great questions just like in general. And yeah, it's great. 
Well, for me, I'm also the only blind person at our school. And I would say, yeah, there are definitely parts of it that are hard, but it gets a lot better with time. And also it depends on how much you involve yourself in the community of the school. So it really depends if you, if you just don't tell anyone about your condition, they just see you, a grade eight comes up, they're walking through the halls, they might have a reaction and just go to the edge of the hall because they don't know you well. And that's fair. They don't know your eye condition. They don't know what blindness is like. But if you involve yourself better in the community and like you're in a bunch of clubs, people know you better, they start to recognize you and start to treat you and appreciate you for what you are. Mm-hmm. So true. You mentioned some kids who maybe aren't familiar kind of dashing out of the way to the edge of the hallway. What are some of the other ways that the kids react to blindness? So I guess I've heard like curious and asking questions. Is there any other, are, are, are other kids ever mean to you? Not really, but like though, I don't know. I can just tell that they want to ask a question, but they don't know how. I always tell them, hey, it's okay. Like, if you have questions, I'm here to answer them. So feel free to like, be like, hey, Lena, how do you how do you use this and stuff? A lot of people at my school do tend to assume I'm lost when I'm in the hallway and assume that I need some sort of help, mm-hmm. which can get kind of annoying at times. But usually... I haven't had anyone be exactly mean to me, not in quite a while, at least. For me, I haven't really had anyone ask me um, or assist me without me wanting to in the halls, especially not a kid. I notice it's more so an issue with adults at times. And also, in terms of kids, they tend to be open to you more if they're curious, even in high school, actually even if they're curious, they just ask you at times. There are reactions where sometimes kids are walking and I'm coming through the halls and these kids will line up with the lockers, go on tiptoes, and it's actually kind of really funny at times. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there have been a couple of incidents where someone has made a remark like I'm not there, so it's like, oh. yo, he's blind and just some stuff regarding that. So pretending like I can't hear. And the best way to deal with that is to just politely ask them if they really want to ask you something or just just not rise to their bait and just have a good conversation because most of the time they don't really think that you will be having a conversation with them that sort of that you're even capable of that because it's just an unconscious bias that people seem to assume that you can't do a lot of things if you're blind. Mm, right. So you, you're, you're calling them out. They're talking about you, assuming you're not understanding what they're saying or something. And then you're responding or speaking up for yourself. Yeah. Just like in a humorous sort of way, because yeah. humor is really good at breaking the ice sometimes. For sure. Okay. So let's talk about friendship. What has your experiences been making friends at school? I've had varied experiences with it. Sometimes for the first few years of like elementary school, 
I didn't make friends very easily. And a lot of the people who I made friends with after that, I don't necessarily talk to anymore. I don't have too many people at school now who I'd consider friends, but I do have many who I'm like friendly with. I think same with me. Like I had this really great friend from kindergarten until I'd say about grade one. Like we would hang out all the all the time and then she moved. I do have, I'd say not that many friends, but a couple really close ones. So for me, I came to Canada in grade six. So that was quite a transition because Basically, all my school friends that I knew from India, it was sort of hard to connect with them here. Um, in elementary, I was quite shy. I didn't have too many friends. But as I got into high school, I just, in grade eight, I basically applied for every single club that the school offered, um, which was quite the time commitment. But that really went a long way in the school sort of recognizing me. Um, when you get yourself involved in a lot of things, people start to notice you more and they start to get over their biggest misconception, which seems to be that as a blind person, you need support. You can't do anything, not anything, but like you can't really do the same level of things that they can. You can't really be a friend. For a lot of sighted people, I think that seems to be the barrier. Like if they want to invite you to their house, it's not even that they don't want to consider you as a friend. It's just they don't think that that's a thing that they can invite you with. Like half the time, I notice that it's that sort of issue versus they don't want to have you as a friend. It's more so how. And when you get quite involved in your school, the school starts to recognize you more um, you get more friends and you build a bond with them and their perception changes from, you know, this guy's blind. He can't do something to this guy is blind and he's got good humor. Like I said, mm-hmm. that's, that's for yeah. me, that was the biggest icebreaker humor. When you start to make jokes, um, keeping it healthy, making jokes about being blind, about life, they start to, treat you as any other person and start to realize that blindness is just one more thing that you're dealing with. It's not a problem. It's not anything else. It's just one more thing that you're dealing with. Like any other kid is dealing with something. You're going to have things in life that you deal with. Blindness is just one of those things. So when they start their perception change, that's when it really makes a difference. That's so true. I feel like um, when they start to, when people start to see you in a variety of roles in, and sort of like start to see your skills too, not necessarily related to blindness, just in general, um, it's, they sort of go from this, like, oh, you probably wouldn't be able to do this thing to more of a curiosity of like, oh, I wonder how we could make this work or like, you know, Mm. more, more open to finding out what it is that you need in order to be able to come over to their house. Like what would they need to do to make that work for you or whatever. Right. Like, um, just last week, uh, I was the only grade 10 in my LST class and there were like four or five grade eight students in my LST block. And one of the boys, he was like to the teacher, he was like, 
what's that written on on Alina's desk? And then I read it out to him. Then he was like, but like, how do you read it? Like, cause I can't read it. I'm like, well, that's because it's Braille. You don't, you don't, you don't see people reading Braille often enough because, well, there's, you know, there's not a lot of people who know Braille very well. And then I told him, I'm like, I've been learning Braille for almost 11 years. He's like, how do you do that? And I'm like, yeah, that's how it is. And also like another good example is I actually started like this little um club of mine. And it's basically we like watch Harry Potter movies during Fridays during lunch. And, like, they actually put it up on the board and stuff for clubs. And people are like, oh, my gosh, like, really? That's so cool and stuff. And then uh, we had this, like, little club fair thing. And then one of the EA, she lent me this, like, book that had, like, tactile stuff in it. And then everyone was like, oh, my gosh, can I feel it? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. But, no, it was cool to meet different people. That's a good idea to to start your own club or your own group. That's an interesting way to yeah. connect with people with a shared interest. Yeah, I totally agree with what Lena said about starting a club. And I noticed this as well. So recently we had a district tournament, uh, which was about debating. And we basically went there, um, my debate club and I. And like I said, I got into a few clubs in grade eight and I've been president of debate club for four years now, but we had a district tournament and we got to meet a lot of other people. And they first were a bit surprised as to who was president, but it wasn't that they didn't think that you were capable. It's just, they didn't know how you would do it. Mm -hmm. Like I said, for a lot of sighted people, I don't even think the issue is that they don't want to be friends with you or they don't want to, um, get too close to you. The issue is that they don't understand that blindness is just one more thing that people deal with. It's like any other thing that you're going to deal with in life. So it's mm -hmm. like I said, it's not a problem. It's, it's not a problem. It's just a thing that you're dealing with. So you just have steps to go around it. Mm -hmm. And starting a club, as Lena said, really does make a difference because people start to respect you even more for the skills that you have. And they start to respect you as a person and as a leader. And that really changes their perception. Yeah. What, so what clubs are you in Jagad besides debate? So I've been president of debate club, um, chess club and a marketing director for the music program mm -hmm. alongside being a council. Um, awesome representative at a Vancouver district student council representative. That's cool. Um, Nolan, are you, are you in any clubs at school? Um, I actually have, I'm not in any clubs currently, but I have had experience with it back in grade six. I think it was, I actually tried and failed to start a board game club. Oh. And basically what happened, happened was everyone came with their phones and turned it into a video game club oh. and oh. not all those games were blind friendly mm. right so what kind of games were you hoping to play at the board game club well 
I had a deck of braille cards that also had print on them. Mm -hmm. um, I had some dice with raised dots, um, braille scrabble. Yep. Love it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, that's disappointing that they, they came with their phones. Yeah. For situations like those, it can be really disappointing, but also it can be hard to sort of reconcile with the fact that that's the way that they are going to use a lot of the time. And you can't really expect someone to completely change their way of doing it. So for me, if such a problem arises, um, the best way to is sort of to come to a compromise, like a hybrid where it is accessible, but you are trying out something new. So for example, in debate tournaments, there's such a thing called a POI point of information. And a lot of the time when someone wants to interrupt the speaker, you have to raise your hand, but obviously I'm blind. So sometimes the speaker just has to get used to the fact that they have to say the word POI because that is an alternative that takes place and it's just coming to a hybrid. So not saying that you have to do things that you can't do because you can't do them, but to find a compromise where they can have their style because they want to have fun too, but you can be um, enjoying it and keep it accessible. Hi there, listeners. I just wanted to interrupt to tell you how much we appreciate you, but we really want to get our message out there to as many people as possible. So if you are enjoying this podcast, please help us by sharing, liking, subscribing, leave us a rating, and we are so grateful to you for listening each week. And now back to this episode. Yeah, it's it's usually such a small thing. I I used to be in Toastmasters and they have these different colored lights. So it's like a when you have two minutes or no, when you have a minute left, it's a whatever one red light, I think. And then when you have um, half a minute, it's another light. And when you have when you're out of time, it's another color light. And then it's they clap you off. So it was just a clap. I was like, can you just clap once at the one minute and then clap once at the half minute? And, you know, and then I know that my, so it's just a small thing, right? It doesn't have to involve any technology. It doesn't have to involve like a huge, big change to the way things are done. It's just, we just have to add this other little piece, right? Like, um, I remember when I was, uh, standing at the table with, uh, like, cause it was during lunch period. And one of my best friends from elementary school, his sister, she actually popped in. She's like, oh, my gosh, Lena, how are you? How are you been? And, like, she gave me, like, a little handshake and stuff. And I'm like, wow, I love it when people actually, like, introduce themselves because then, like, it's easier to, you know, connect with the person. Rather than yeah. just being like, yeah, yeah, if you want to, it's up to you. But, no, sometimes... I feel like when people don't introduce themselves, it can be a little bit awkward because like, because then it's, it's kind of hard to be like, to be, you know, kind of be like talking how you would normally talk to that person if you knew who they were, you know? But, totally. Yeah. I've actually had this happen before where I'm in the hallways walking around and someone walks up to me and just starts being like, oh, hey, Nolan, how, how you doing? And yeah, I'm think <laughs> inwardly thinking like, uh, who who is this 
<laughs> but I don't really want to be rude or anything. I don't think it's rude, but I totally know what you mean. I never, I never like to ask people either because I feel like they might be offended that you don't recognize their voice or something. But I think we totally have a right mm. to say who's speaking or who is that or... But yeah, I'll, I will just keep them talking until I can figure it out, yeah. which sometimes is soon, you know, short a short amount of time, and sometimes I don't know until they walk away. I still don't know who they are. <laughs> I used to actually do this, but there was at one point there was this girl who had a very um, non-recognizable sounding voice, like non-distinct, right. um, and I kept being like uh who is this and this happened like five or six times and i never <laughs> talked to her outside of this so <laughs> right yes yeah. yeah sometimes it can be also a good idea to just go around and introduce yourself like at theater me uh meetings and stuff when we had a theater production um at the end there's a point when people just come and greet other people and sometimes instead of waiting for someone to greet you just come out of the curtain and just start saying hi which can be weird like i've had weird incidents where once at a debate tournament i was trying to introduce myself ended up going to the parents of the kids of one of the elementary schools that was <laughs> at the tournament. it was elementary and high school it was both categories i was like hey I'm Jugad, and I'm from John Oliver. Uh, I'm the president of the John Oliver Debate Club, and they're like, "Oh, cool!" And I'm like, "So, what school are you guys from?" Oh, where's the parents? <laughs> <Where's the parents? laughs> like, uh -oh. Uh -oh. But, but I'm glad I did that because because of doing that, I got to know three more debate teams during that tournament, which I'm still connected to. So, was it worth it? Absolutely. Even, mm. even despite that weird incident i think the realization that we sometimes need to come to is that those things will happen but at the yeah. end of the day you really want to know that person you don't know what can come out of it you might become good friends yeah. might really end up knowing them well so it's That's worth true. it i'm curious if you have had teachers or eas try to intervene and help you make friends yes oh, yes okay Nolan, why don't you go first? Tell us about how that worked for you. So I've had I've had teachers and EAs intervene in my socializing in both ways, trying to get me to make friends and trying to distance me from friends. Oh, interesting. Because there was this one guy who I was friends with in kindergarten and grade one who came back in like grade five. And for a few years, we became, like, inseparable and would always do everything together. And one of the EAs decided she wanted me to branch out a bit. So she kept trying to get him separated from me. Mm. And I feel like that's not quite the way to go. And then she'd ask other kids from the class to hang out with me. Ugh. Oh, and then of course in, yeah, and then of course in partner projects, um, I have a teacher actually this year, mm. well, had because the semester ended today, but he, he would, whenever there'd be a group project, he'd like go up to the front of the class and be like, 
okay, who wants to partner up with Nolan? Nolan doesn't have a partner right now. And how do the other students respond? No one says anything or does um, somebody offer? Nobody's. Yeah. Nobody that's says so bad. anything. Like uh... at one point someone did offer to be my partner and she actually turned out to be very nice, but Oh, um, that's sweet. I remember at one point in elementary school, the teacher, uh, one of my teachers did this and someone actually shouted out, not me. Oh God, really? Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that takes the whole yeah. being chosen last in PE class to a whole other level. I feel like I don't think my self-esteem could handle that. That would be really <laughs> embarrassing. I wish I was chosen last because sometimes it was just not, not chosen. Right. Yeah. What about you, Lena? How have how have EAs and teachers tried to help you make friends? Um, in elementary school, I had the same type of experience as Nolan did because, um, I had so many of those experiences where teachers were like, "Okay, everybody who wants to be partners with Lena's partner, she doesn't have a partner." Yeah, it's silence. What do you? wish could have happened in the, like what would you have preferred personally for me i wish someone would have kind of like like taken a step forward i'm like yeah sure i'll be her partner if she's okay with it but what would you want the teacher to do then like instead of asking who wants to be lena's partner i don't know maybe kind of like come come to me like privately and be like okay lena who do you want to work with Mm. One thing I would prefer much more is I always liked those group projects where the teacher just randomly assigns partners mm -hmm. because if we get to choose, then everyone just goes work to work with their friends and I get lumped into a already chosen group or something. Yeah. But if they just randomly assign partners, then it would make more sense because nobody gets a choice at all. So I just mm -hmm. go yeah. wherever. Yeah. For me, I will say that this happened to me initially a few years ago. Um, but now things have gotten a lot better where for me, I would rather the teacher not assign and just have the kids choose. And I just get to choose a group um, with friends. For a few years, though, at elementary, end of elementary, beginning of high school, I did have EAs who decided that they would take it upon themselves to read every single facial expression, any clue that any person in my group decided to have to me <laughs> while I was in the group so oh. I could understand them better. Live audio but description. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but um, with the result being that it was like I was talking and the EA just walks up and it's like, so I don't think your group members agree with this statement and the group members are there mm. um, right now. And she's like, I don't think your group members agree with this. Um, it's just, I know you're blind and that's why I want to to know that they don't look, they kind of look skeptical at your idea. Okay. And I would rather that I just figure it out for myself or they tell me that instead of 
the NEA intervening. And a lot of the time, what ends up happening is with EA inter- EA's intervening is that they try to get you to make friends with people. And the result being that the other person feels awkward, but mm-hmm. you feel even more awkward because you're wondering what's going through their head more yeah. so than what your problem is. And the thing about choosing groups is that sometimes I think we need to understand that it's not just us, but like sighted people can have insecurities about being in group projects as well, right? It's mm-hmm. not just about blind. So it's not just about um, if we get to choose, we'll have to go the extra step. We're blind. That can definitely add a layer, not denying that, but also sighted people can have those same insecurities. Uh, different in some and similar and different, uh, similar in some ways. And over the years, like I said, in high school, it's gotten a lot better. I'm still like, I'm blind, but my EAs don't really intervene at all. Like I barely see them in the day. Uh, Did you say something to your EA after that happened? Like, have you educated or any of you, have you educated your EAs on stuff like that and said, please don't do that. I don't like, I'd like you to back up, back off a little bit in this situation or, you know, I'd rather figure it out for myself with other kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've told my EA, like, um, I would, you know, I would kind of, I would take it as a, as a kind approach. For me, it's mostly been similar to Lena where I've talked to the EA obviously in a polite manner and been like, I really appreciate you helping me, but some situations I can, you know, handle like I'm, I'm a teenager with these other teenagers. I can, we can sort out our differences. What do you wish the kids at school understood about your blindness or yourselves? Just, I don't know if you could, if you could just like have a magic wand and, and (laughs) all of a sudden everyone in the school knew some things about you, what would you want that to be? I would like them to know that I can actually like explain stuff about my blindness and that like if you want to know something come talk to me instead of just assuming that I need help or whatever because a lot of times I'm actually good doing things on my own if people could just ask if I need extra help that would be a lot easier for me Yes, And it might even be easier to make friends if teachers aren't always putting me in groups. Right. Well, and if those people come to ask you, then all of a sudden you're in a conversation, right? And there's the potential for them to get to know you and possibly like you, and then friendships can form. Yeah. For me, if I would rather just um, have these experiences, these experiences while being like, while they can cause some discomfort at the time, these are the experiences that sort of make you have these thoughts. And also when you become friends with someone with those sorts of things, being blind and, you know, like everything we've mentioned, it makes them respect you more. Um, For myself, I wish people would know that it's okay to be you. And 
like I wish people would come. I like I rather wish people would come up to be to me and be like, "Oh, how do you use a cane?" or "How do you read Braille?" I would I, like the same thing for goals when asking for help. I rather ask. I I rather people would ask me if I need help than me being like, "Uh." Can we get some help over here with this assignment, please? (laughs) Uh, Well, listening to you all talk about high school definitely makes me grateful that I'm not there anymore. And I promise (laughs) it does get better. (laughs) I feel like, Jagad, it sounds like you've got a good thing going. And I think your strategies are really, really smart, like getting involved in lots of different clubs and And also, I mean, it's really brave to put yourself out there and walk up to people and say, hi, I'm Jagad. Like, who are you? Oh, you're a parent. You know, we we talked about that a little bit with Clement and Ginny and and Clement was kind of that way as well. He would be more outgoing with new people and, and just walk up to people and ask, you know, introduce himself. That's, I don't, I don't tend to do that. I think I'm just nervous about it being the wrong type of person, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> or feeling embarrassed or accidentally introducing myself to the corner of the room instead of a human. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I feel like you've shared some great tips and I'm glad that it's going well for you. And to Nolan and Lena, I just want to say like, it gets better <laughs> after graduation. I feel like as, as we all mature, um, you know, as your peers mature too, um, they're, they'll become more open-minded and more willing to take risks too. And then we become more willing to take risks as we get older too, possibly. So I just want to say thank you to all of you for joining me today and sharing your experiences. And, um, I hope that this has helped our listeners. I'm sure that I'm sure that it has. Thank Thanks you. for I mean, having us. us. Thank you. It's helped thank, us. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you to our listeners and we will see you again next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca, and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time.